And hello again, everyone. Welcome back to One Patriot Place here on Ironic Radio, part of the WBLZ Radio Network. You're on the air with Stephen Murph. We are One Patriot Place. And we, uh, as always, appreciate everyone listening in. And you can also find our podcast on the full press coverage of uh, full press coverage website. I always screw that up. I say this every week. <laughs> <laughs> as they carry our podcast for their, uh, you know, uh, there for you as well as their own stuff and please please be sure to check out their amazing stuff they do some great job covering the patriots in fact murph and i have our special guest on with us he's been on with us more than once and he's joining us again today mike debate from full press coverage patriots so let's jump right into this gentleman before we get any further i still have to the green big green man is waiting to say something so murph How's it going, and how'd Butchie do this weekend? Uh, uh, Butchie lost. Oh, I'm sorry. Team, to hear that. team Butchie lost. Yeah, yeah, they were. It, it was rough. It was rough. Um, up two to nothing going into the seventh inning. Um, coach didn't, you know, didn't have the 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 heart or the cojones to pull the starting pitcher who pitched beautiful six, you know, a beautiful six innings. And then just got hammered in the seventh. And, uh, they and gave Butchie it all up, waiting to go. See, the cost him. Yeah. Cost him a yep. yep. And <laughs> two guys had two guys warming in the pen, and he just he didn't go to them. And um, and that was you know it, it was a heartbreaking way to go down. And they were up two to nothing. And they ended up dropping the game three to two, and their quest for a state title ended. But they they won the Shoreline Division. That was something that the team hadn't done all in in its history and uh that was fantastic they they went down to st paul's it, it, it's tough when you go down to a catholic school um that that should not be in your division at all because you know the catholic schools can recruit and what they yep. do is they recruit you know the best ball players and um that's why uh a catholic school has won this state title 7 years in a row seven years in a row and it'll probably happen again this year. So what, but what are you going to do? They, the boys took it a little hard, but you know, they had it. They just, it just didn't, you know, needed one more inning, three more outs and it didn't happen. And every Red Sox fan out there knows what it's like to need Pretty three little more buddies. <laughs> <laughs> and not be able to get it done. So that's it. And now, now we're on to summer ball. Summer ball starts tonight. All right. Well, our guest is with us. Mike, yep. we want to welcome Mike. you back to One Patriot Place. Thanks for joining us today, especially on the short notice. We really appreciate you coming in. 
Anytime, you know, I'm always willing to pinch it and I'm always willing to come on when you guys need me. And, uh, yeah, no, uh, no worries there. It, it is always a pleasure, always my honor to join you. So Steve Murph, uh, hope you guys are doing well. Murph, I am sorry to hear about team Butchie, but you know, they'll, they'll get back there and they'll, uh, they'll be back better than ever next season and, uh, use the summer ball opportunity to, uh, to grow and to move forward. Um, yep. best advice I can give at this point. So man, thank you. You guys will thank be fine. You. He'll do that. Yep. And Mike, okay. when you come on here, you're not a pinch hitter, buddy. You know, we're, we're talking the top of the order here. So. Yeah, exactly, man. Oh, you're, 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 you're no, a, I appreciate number that. two hitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, well, you know, you guys often pencil you right in there, and that's that's an honor in and of itself. So you know, I, I consider that uh, I always always love coming on with you guys. Uh, not only uh, you know the friendship that we have uh, off off of the microphone, but uh, you know the knowledge that you guys put forth and allow me to pretend to what uh, to give. No, just kidding. <laughs> the knowledge that I always always bring to the table and try to do the best I can to do that. Um, it's always a pleasure. So thank you very much for always having me on. Well, Murph, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I, I was going to kick it off with you. Did you guys uh, catch any of the best buddies workouts this this past week? Oh yeah, you know yep. it was nice. Tom was down there at Harvard with all the guys, throwing the slinging the ball around with the best buddies crew, and um, it's just it's it's fantastic. You know, people, you know, you you don't see this stuff on on national media. You didn't see it on. Um, on ESPN or Fox Sports or anything like that, the the fantastic things that that Tom does for um for his Best Buddies program for charities around the country and um in his wife the work that she does around the world really, and I just wanted to give a shout out to Tom and all the guys who showed up. Edelman showed up. I'm not sure who else was there off the top James of my White. head. You guys, yeah, yeah James. James White. Okay. And, um, and, um, and it, that's just fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember James White, uh, Joe Cardona, I yep. think Marcus Cannon was there, and um, there was a couple other guys there. They had, actually had a pretty decent turnout, and then of course Troy Brown was there, and yeah, um, Brewski. Yeah, <laughs> pretty sure Brewski. So they was they there. always have they they always have a bunch, you know. And uh, as when you mentioned that, a couple of years ago, I. Uh, I was given tickets to that and I brought my nephew with me and we went and uh, it was, it was actually a ton of fun and we laughed the whole time. We sat right down in the front cause we got there early and you know, it's just like a, a touch football game with a bunch of, you know, regular folks and some of the, the people from best buddies who get out there and, and play and Tom quarterbacks for both teams. And, and the uh, relationship he has with Edelman is so funny. Because those two, they're always playing against each other. And then uh, Tom was trying to complete a pass to uh, one of the kids. And Edelman was just busting his chops and he intercepted it. And as he's running down the field, Tom was trying to tackle him. And Edelman was holding the ball out and running backwards and still outrunning Tom all the way to the end. <laughs> Flipping brilliant. And, Oh, and no, it I was, love it. Um, we, we were laughing so hard we were crying. And then, then they hugged in the end zone, and then Tom put him in a headlock and gave him a noogie. It's like, you know, because Edelman was running backwards, and he still outran him all the way to the end zone. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. That's funny. But yeah, it's, a, I it, it's for a great charity. 
Yeah, and, and in fact, as you know, you met my son, Mario, and Mario was involved in Best Buddies here in his Oh, was he? I didn't know that. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah, until, until he graduated. So, you know, and... Uh, and it is, it's a great organization and hats off to Tom because that's such great stuff that that they do for all the kids there. And, really uh, and that is, it's, that's a night for them really, because if you ever get a chance to go there, I'd highly recommend it because uh, like I said, you know, Tom and the Patriots are there and that's the draw to bring the fans in, but it's really a night for the kids because right. that's, that's who really Tom's throwing the ball to, you know? And the kids all get it. I mean, hey, how many kids say, I caught a touchdown pass from Tom Brady, you know? So, anyway. I'm sorry, Murph. Uh, I, no, I love it, man. I, I, I can't get enough of that. And, you know, I, the, the the most publicity that they've ever gotten out of out of that Best Buddies crowd was, was a hatchet job done by the Boston Globe a few years back, <laughs> which was just terrible. You know, once again, the globe just steps up and fucks everything up, and I don't know. But let, let, let's get away from that and let, let's talk a little, a little Patriots. That's what we do here. That's what we're talking about. And camp battles. Uh, camp is opening up. We we on uh, on got tomorrow. Jesus, tomorrow. Thank God, man. Give me something to think about besides the fucking Red Sox. Um, <laughs> but let, let's start at the at, at the wide rece- wide receiver position, Mikey. What do you think is is going on here? Um, you know, Edelman is the top guy. We, we have no idea what Josh Gordon is up to, or whether or not he's going to come back this year. Where's the Where's the battle here? Last year it was the thinnest spot on this roster, and this year it's kind of crowded. Yeah, it definitely is crowded, Murph. There's no question about it. I mean, you look at what the Patriots have done, and I know wide receiver was a big question mark heading into the draft. Everybody was looking and saying, everybody's departing, nobody's coming back in, who's Tom going to throw to? We hear these things every single year, and we hear them consistently over and over again, how this is going to shake out and what is going to happen here. So. Right now, I mean, you look at what Adelman is definitely penciled in as the number one guy. There is no question about that. You have to take a look at what Nikhil Harry is going to bring to the table, and watching him in minicamp this week is going to be something that I know everyone's going to be glued to, and with good, uh, you know, with good reason, obviously. Look, Harry comes in with a lot of pedigree and a lot of. I don't want to say high expectations because I think people are understanding that this guy is a rookie. You have to, you know, give him an opportunity to make, you know, his plays and be able to do what he does. But, you know, Harry at this point is coming in with a lot of, of, you know, eyes on him, I guess is the best way for me to put it. He had 73 receptions for 1,088 yards, nine touchdowns with the Sun Devils in 2018. So he's not, you know, adverse to coming in and putting up big numbers, being a focal part of his team's offense. Um, he's not particularly twitchy or explosive, and I think a lot of people are going to see that. But what he brings to the table is a toughness. He's big-bodied. Um, he might just end up being exactly what the doctor ordered for the New England receiving core, and I think he will be. I have high expectations for this kid coming in, and he'll be interesting to watch. When it comes to the remaining slots open on the uh, on Patriots receiving core, that's where it gets interesting to me. Uh, you know, they brought in – you know, a guy like Maurice Harris, they brought in Demarius Thomas on a, uh, on a mm-hmm. deal, which I think is more of like a flyer deal um, at this point. Um, Dontrell Inman coming in here is obviously a very interesting, uh, you know, uh, case as well. Um, 
Braxton Berrios, I think there's a lot of people that a lot of uh, folks have forgotten about that was on the practice squad, uh, you know, last year, coming in, hopefully healthy, hopefully able to make a, a contribution. I think there's definitely a, uh, a shot for him to be able to do something, uh, you know, interesting as well. And then, of course, you always have to remember that, you know, Philip Dorsett was resigned as well. He's still on this team, has an intricate knowledge of the way the Patriots do business here for the last couple of seasons. So it is crowded. I think there is a lot of talent on this wide receiver core this year, but it's going to be interesting to see how these guys develop the synergy with Tom Brady. That's going to be the key to this. Um, we saw him working out with Harry a little bit, trying to get that um, you know, uh, offense to click a little bit. Harry coming in as a rookie, I think, speaks well of him. He's a very, very good um, studier of the playbook, and he picks up plays very quickly. Uh, I had I heard an interview with uh, um, Herm Edwards very shortly after he was uh, drafted, and Herm couldn't say enough good things about Nikhil Harry and how quickly he's able to grasp plays. It's going to be interesting to see how that synergy works in minicamp this week. Also, um, you know, you definitely want to see how he's going to be able to develop uh, some synergy with either a guy like Demarius Thomas or a guy like Dontrell Inman and how quickly they can get on the same page uh, as well because we know he can work with Philip Dorsett. So it's going to be interesting to see. There's a lot of new faces on the wide receiving core in New England this year, but a lot of talent there as well. I don't think it's as much of a weakness as a lot of people wanted to believe prior to the draft. Right. Do you think um, Harry – being at the top of the the depth chart is is at all surprising, or is this just you know another? It's the Patriots depth chart, Murph. Stop looking at it. <laughs> yeah, you know, he and uh, no, he, he and Edelman are, are on the top. Yeah. Yeah. No, according to Patriots.com, Ian Edelman are at the top of the wide receiver depth chart. And I don't think it's that surprising, to be totally honest with you. Um, you know, you look at the talent that they have on the uh, on the squad, but you also look at the potential that Nikhil Harry is able to bring. He does have a good amount of pedigree that he's uh, that he's bringing in with him. And uh, like I said, I, I really, I love that he's, you know, he's 6'4", 213 pounds, really offers that unique combination of size and strength that the Patriots haven't really had in the last couple of years. Not, you know, withstanding a, you know, gentleman by the name of Rob Gronkowski, who was a once in a lifetime talent. And he is going to be, his loss is going to be felt this year. Um, but Harry is a big, big red zone threat. He's got underrated quickness. He really does. I mentioned before that he wasn't particularly twitchy or explosive, but he does have the ability to be quick, and that will help him as well. Um, I think that he's, his biggest contribution to this team is going to be able to go up and make those athletic and contested catches when needed. They haven't had a guy on the outside that's able to do that very well in a long time. So I I'm not surprised by Nikhil Harry going up that depth chart. It's his spot to lose at this point. We'll see how he reacts in minicamp and in training camp. But I think he's up to the challenge. I think this kid is ready to do what he needs to do. Absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing about Harry, Mike, is, you know, uh, usually when, you know, the, the media asks Bill Belichick a question of one of the younger guys, or, and sometimes even established veterans, you know, Early in the process, we get the old, well, he has a long way to go. He has, yeah, he's just learning. He has a long way to go. Bill didn't say that last week. Uh, when, when they no, asked he didn't, him about, yeah, yeah when, when they asked him about Harry, he, he, uh, he said, oh, so far it's been all good. He's a quick learner. Yeah. He's working really hard. So, uh, that, that peaked my, my antenna went up on that one. 
you know, and I, I'm excited to watch this kid. I mean, this week, I, I can't wait. Um, but uh, yeah, again, you know, we have to temper it a little bit because he is still a rookie. I mean, he's not going to come in on day one and, and get 15 catches for 300 yards, you know, but I think, as you said, I think he can be a really big part of this offense. And I'm just, I'm excited to see what he can do. And, and as you said, you know, he's not, he's not a burner in the classic sense where he's going to tear the top off a of defense, but when he gets the ball in his hand, He's he's a tough guy to bring down, and he he can make himself for a big man. He can make himself hard to bring down. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, absolutely, you take a look at some of the film that I've watched on him with Arizona State, and some of the catches that he's made. Now he's made some athletic catches that are really eye openers, and you know, pretty good. Uh, you know, thirty second vid bites that you want to watch on yep. social media and whatnot. But he is a very very difficult guy to bring down. He exudes a toughness that, like I said, and I, you hit the nail right on the head, Steve, when you said that. He, we haven't had a lot of that in New England lately about guys that are able to go up and make contested catches, come down with the ball, and even get yards after the catch in a contested situation. That's a big, big plus for a, a team that I think is going to be uh, you know, looking for a balance of run and pass this year. Um, it really gives uh, Tom Brady a, a big target that, uh, that he hasn't necessarily been able to rely on these last couple of years. So I think that's why they're very high on Harry. And again, you mentioned Bill Belichick giving him the praise right off the bat. I noticed that as well, and that's something that really really kind of raised my eyebrow because like you said, Belichick is always the type of guy that is, well, you know, it's a work in progress. You know, we look at everybody. He was really complimentary of Harry early on, and that's unusual for Belichick and a rookie. So he's got to be showing them something in terms of toughness, ability to grasp the concepts and being able to do what he needs to do. Again, it's OTAs and rookie camp that we've seen him now It'll be interesting to see minicamp and even into training camp how he adapts and how he's able to work out a synergy with Tom Brady. But it's clear these two guys respect one another and they want to play well as a quarterback and wide receiver together. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they, uh, the Patriots made it clear that they thought Harry was going to go a lot sooner. They had him, they had him pegged for a lot higher than 32. So obviously they really like this kid. But yeah, my my next question to you, and then I'll send it back over to Murph. You know, we're, we're talking about these wide receivers. They kind, of, you know, since they drafted Harry and they got Demarius Thomas, Maurice Harris is kind of like the forgotten man, and he's a guy that's kind of under the radar right now. And he's had, I'm not going to say great success, but he's had a little bit of success in the NFL. And to me, he's kind of like that dark horse that people are kind of glossing over i'm anxious to see what he can do when he gets on the field this year because i think you know i he came here with the expectation well we don't know what he can do but the fact of the matter is you know th- there's a going to be a, a there's slot. something there's going to be a slot open for the guy who who steps up and i think he could be that guy and he could play himself into a nice fat contract next year 
I think so. I like Harris as a uh, as a player, and you know, bringing him in, he's got four years of experience. Let's not forget. So he is a guy also that they can use that experience to their advantage. He had 28 receptions, 304 yards receiving in 2018. Not blockbuster numbers, but he did average 10.9 yards per uh, per catch. So when you look at what he brings to the table in terms of statistically, that number really stands out to me. To me, I think he's a guy that uh, that they can look at um, and be able to put some pressure on, you know, I, I shouldn't say that puts pressure on him, but he's a guy that I think can put some pressure on maybe some of the bubble, uh, you know, roster guys that, you know, either have a, a lack of experience or, uh, you know, might not be able to work their way in and get on the same page as Brady. If Harris shows the ability to be able to understand the playbook and be able to play in New England, he could be a very interesting uh, um, uh addition to this team again he's six foot three 200 pounder so he's got a little bit of size uh you know coming out of it he had a pretty good season with washington last year last couple of years uh notice you know that uh he maybe he dropped off in terms of production in terms of you know overall yardage and uh, um and things of that nature and overall catches but i do think there is something there with uh, uh with maurice harris so I agree with you, Steve. Keep an eye on him during mini camp and during training camp. That might be an interesting name to uh, to watch. He was brought into New England for a reason. Mostly everybody that comes in is brought for a reason. Uh, they usually right. don't just sign guys just to fill roster slots. There's usually a reason, usually a uh, an identification that Belichick and the offensive brain trust will look at and say, there's something about this guy that can work in our system. Uh, he could be one of the under-the-radar signings that uh, may not have made a splash when it happened, but uh, he could be a guy that a lot of people and a lot of fans will come to recognize as uh, the uh, the months go on here as we lead into September. Personally, I can't wait to see what Philip Dorsett does, how he takes all these signings and, and and draft picks and undrafted free agents that are being brought in when he was talked into signing a new deal. I wasn't, I I was surprised when he did it, and now I'm really looking forward to hearing from everybody up there how he's handling the situation. But right now, let's let, let's move to the important people, the you know the big fat guys up front. And what do you see happening at left tackle, my friend? You know, Isaiah Wynn was drafted last year, missed the entire season with that Achilles. And uh, Trent Brown is now uh, is is long long gone, long gone. We we drafted um, Yandi Kajust. Did I pronounce that right? Kajust. Yep. yep. Okay. Yandi Kajust. Yep. And um and it's going to be an interesting battle against with some some young guys there. How do you see this shaking out at left tackle? Well, I think there's enough people in the Patriots organization that are high enough on Isaiah Wynn and the potential and in terms of what they've seen there as well to be fairly comfortable in there. Left tackle is a position that I do think they will try to add a veteran piece at at some point, whether it be after minicamp, whether it be during training camp when you have some of these you know, veterans that are cut down and guys that are brought in. I don't see them making a knee-jerk reaction this week or maybe even leading up to training camp. I think they want to see what they have in Isaiah Wynn. Cole Croston is a guy that consistently has a spot on this roster, and there's a reason for right. it. Croston is a guy that does always know where he needs to be and finds himself in that position. He's got size and ability to be able to move guys around. And when you're an offensive lineman, let's face it, that's the most important aspect and the most important quality that they have. But Yanni Kajus to me is a very interesting pick at number, three. you know, at the, um, you know when they when they got to that point, bringing him in at the number at the 101st pick out of 
West Virginia. I think a juice that's definitely brings something to the table, and it wouldn't surprise me to see him challenge Cole Crosston for that number two slot. You know, I think he might end up competing with some other linemen as well as OTAs and the, and the knee camps, you know, progress. But his natural fit would be at reserve tackle, and I think that's what they have him penciled in as the number uh, three option right now in uh, um, in left tackle as well. Look, Kajust has a wide frame. Uh, I think he's above average in initial quickness, and he has great overall ability. He's quick enough to get into position, but yet strong enough to wall off some of the defenders in the running game. He's got average length as a tackle, not overly long, but he gives up the edge at times. That may be where a guy like Dante Scarnecchia really needs to work with him and try to see if he can shore up that portion of his game. Because if he doesn't do that, then he might be a better fit on the, on the inside as a result. Um, okay. He did spend time in college playing at the guard position, so Kajust could end up following along with possibly a guy like Yelda Froholt, uh to make things interesting as we head in toward the middle part of July. But Skarnekia really needs to find uh, the um, uh, the strengths of these guys and play to them because each one of them, in my opinion, each one of the uh, the offensive linemen that were drafted by the Patriots uh, definitely are going to be at pupils in the Skarnickia system. It just depends on finding what they do well and what they need work on. But uh, Kajusti could end up being a steal in this draft if he lives up and yeah. plays up to potential. How do we feel about Dan Skipper? I'm sorry, Murphy broke up. What, what did you say? Oh, I'm sorry. How do how do you feel about Dan Skipper? Skipper to me is somebody that I think is a uh, is an interesting uh, you know choice at this point. Um, they have him right now at right tackle in the depth chart, right behind uh, yeah. Marcus Cannon. Um, you know, Skipper's got he's got a year of experience. Uh, you know, I mean, he originally was, I think he was drafted, I, I think he was signed by Dallas as a uh, as a free agent, um, as a rookie free agent. I don't think he was drafted by them, but uh, he never really caught on to, uh, to Dallas. He spent some time in the practice squad. Um, and then, you know, obviously with Detroit, you know, last year. But I think at this point, when you look at a guy like Dan Skipper, to me, um, I think he does bring something to uh, to the table. He appeared in 51 games uh, with Arkansas when he was in college. Uh, he had 47 straight starts. So if Sarnecchia can harness some of what he brought to the table in Arkansas, I really like mm-hmm. the uh, his chances of being able to make an impact on this line. I do think it'll be at uh, um, uh, it'll be at you know a probably uh, I don't know. I'm going back and forth on him. I mean, I would say definitely his impact is going to be a tackle, probably not guard, but uh, um, but but uh, at this point we'll. Uh, We'll definitely, uh, you know, make a uh, make it a point to uh, to see what, uh, what what ends up happening with him. But I do like uh, um, uh, his abilities to uh, to make this team. I know there's uh, a long jam a lot of times when it comes to uh, you know the offensive line, but he's a guy that I think could definitely make an impact. Uh, they have him second on the depth chart in, in the tackle position for a reason. Keep your eye out for Jen Skipper. I will. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you need to go, Murph? No, that's not. That's oh, okay. not me. Oh, okay. I thought that was. Uh, I thought somebody was talking to you in the background there. Hey, uh, nope. Mike. Uh, let's let's flip this the uh, switch a little and move to one of the more intriguing pickups the Patriots made this spring. Now, when the draft came out, I didn't believe that they uh, they really needed a running back. 
And when I was looking at it, I, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the draft. I, I, I put that pretty low on the, uh, on the need chart. But they picked up what I think is a really intriguing piece, and that's Damian Harris out of Alabama. And I, I love this kid. I didn't think he'd be around when the Patriots would take a running back. And when you look at this guy, his body of work, he was really a three-down player there, but they they used much like the Patriots do a running back by committee. And uh, the most intriguing stat I can think of for this guy is you know one of the things that we talked about in the past was they had some issues short yardage. Damian Harris mm-hmm. averaged three point one six yards after contact last after year. Contact. After contact. <laughs> It is amazing. And, I had that stat written down myself, and it really is. Yeah. It really does speak volumes. And, boy, this kid, I mean, when I look at him, you can see the wheels turning because now they have so many really intriguing running backs that they can throw two running backs on the field at any time and totally keep the defense guessing of what they're they're planning on doing. What's your feelings on this kid? I love Harris. I really and truly do. I think they invested a third-round pick in this kid for a reason. He's a strong runner, a competitive runner, and he's got good size. Um, he's decisive, uh, great vision uh, by all stretch of the imagination. Anybody that's played with him, whether it be Alabama or played against him or seen this kid and scouted him, says that he does have outstanding vision, uh, has a really good burst when finding a seam. And, again, I think those two things work hand-in-hand. You know, he shows good contact balance in space. He's got very reliable hands as well. So this is another, we were talking about position battles coming back in. I think Harris can really challenge Rex Burkett for a spot on this roster this year. And a lot of people are giving me guff for that or whatnot and saying, yeah. oh, well, how could you think that they would do that to, to, to Rex? You know, obviously, look, Rex, the unquestionable toughness, unquestionable skill. You have to take a look at the at, at the black and white of the situation. And Burke has played in only 18 of a potential 32 regular season games in his two seasons in New England. He is a guy that when he's on the field, he's explosive and he's very, very dangerous in terms of being able to move the ball and get into the end zone. But you do have to look at the injury and the, the lack of being able to stay on the field as a concern here. If Harris is able to come in, raise some eyebrows, and give that type of an effective burst that we believe he's able to do, it's possible that he could challenge Rex Burkhead for a spot on the roster bubble. Equally, I think it's just as possible that the Patriots could carry five backs. They've done that in the past. They did in 2017, even portions of you want to go back to 2011, 2016. They have carried five backs in the past. So if they view talent there, and these are guys that they don't want to cut loose or let go, and they figure they really want to hold on to them, it's a possibility to see them carry five backs. But I think Harris, as a third-round pick, is someone that really is, I, I really believe that they have high hopes for this kid in making the roster. I don't see them investing that and then cutting him in training camp or after training camp when the 53-man roster is set. I, I don't see that unless it's just not a fit. And by all accounts, I really don't think that's going to be the case. Now. Right. And, you know, when you look at a guy like him, he, he runs between the tackles. And you know, as you said, he's got very good vision. He's tremendous after contact. Now you have, you know, a two-headed monster in the running game with him and uh, Sony Michelle, and you still have a two-headed right. monster in the passing game with Burkhead and James White. 
And if anyone goes down with the injury, which they had a lot of last year, Brandon Bolden, I mean, he's still mm-hmm. there. And I know Murph was going to say that. So I'll just I was just going to say, I was just going to say, Murph is going to get upset with us if we don't mention Bolden. But no, but I mean, no, but it's true. I mean, Brandon Bolden has, has done that in the past for them. And we saw what he can do last year against the Patriots. I mean, so, yeah, you know, definitely. they're really stacked. Yeah. And what I like is you can mix and match these guys. And, you know, you're going to keep defenses, you know, honest because if they start to load the box, you can spread these guys out and and put them in, you know, and in, in make their linebackers cover. And, uh, boy, it's going to be tough. But I just, I just love that pick. And, I, again, he's another guy. I can't wait to see how they – you know, plan on utilizing him. I yeah, agree. Again, like I agree. I it's going to be really, a lot of fun. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I, w- I want to ask both of you, you know, do you guys consider James Devlin one of the five running backs that, that the Patriots might keep? Or is no. Devlin off in his own little world? Now, I consider him a fullback slash tight end. And, yeah. uh, Agreed. I don't consider him one of the running backs. Not really. He's kind of same here. He, yeah, he's kind of uh, his own his own persona, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. It's just like uh, like Mr. Bolden, who 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 can play, you know, who who can play running back and play it well. But he, he's a special teamer, and you know, he could also fill in at linebacker if you need that, because we all know that Brandon Bolden can. Throw a knockout punch by now, um, but <laughs> one, of the, one, one of the shocks this year was the fact that the Pats freaking picked up a punter. Um, you know, Ryan Ryan Allen earned his spot in the Patriots in uh, in 2013 by by ousting Zoltan Mesko, and we were all a little shocked over that back back in the day, and and now they've they've gone out and drafted another one. What what do you think is happening here? Uh, well, you know, it's not often that a special teams positional battle is one that commands significant attention, but you know, yep. the battle I think is on between Allen and Bailey, and I think you saw that last week in mini camps, and excuse me, in uh, rookie mini camp, and then in OTAs, this guy's booming seventy-five yard punts like they're nothing, and you know, I think that it's it. The Patriots invested a fifth-round pick in. Bailey for a reason. And yeah. again, I come back, I said that about Harris, and I say that again now about Jake Bailey. You know, I think a lot of people, I think eyebrows were raised when the team chose a punter, you know, in fifth round, you know, a lot of people were looking at it and saying, well, how could you do that? How could you waste the capital? And, you know, I think there's some truth in that as well. I think a lot of people are looking at it and saying, well, you just re-signed Ryan Allen. He had a very good Super Bowl. You know, why would you do that? But, you know, he handled both the punting and the kickoff duties at Stanford. Let's put it that way. I think Belichick has always had this fascination with maybe getting this guy as a hybrid type of, you know, a, a possible kicker and, and, and punter. And there could be a lot of things that go on here. I don't think it's likely, but the theory is out there. There's no question about it. Um, in Bailey, in watching the film that I've watched on Bailey and seeing him in the camps, uh, you know, as they progress and the footage that I've seen on him, he gets the ball off quickly. He gets very, very good hang time. He also connected on 12 of 16 field goals and made three field goals of 50 or more yards, including a 54 yarder when he was a senior in high school and he was doing the kicking duties as well. Um, I think it's interesting that he's the first right footed punter taken by the Patriots in the Belichick yeah. era. I think that's going to be there goes an my, interesting there goes my thing follow this year up. and okay. seeing that. 
Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, he's no stranger to competition. You know, I think the, uh, uh, you know, I think there's, uh, and, and neither was Ryan Allen for that matter. I think you saw Corey Burrow-Flez come in last year and compete yep. for the job during training camp. Allen rose to the occasion. He safely secured his job and he proved to be the superior talent. But Burrow-Flez was, again, brought in to instill a little bit of competition. I think it's deeper this year with Bailey. You know, I think that there are a lot of guys that come in this year to kind of push some of the talent that you have around. Bailey's the real deal. It would not shock me to see them go with Jake Bailey this year as opposed to Ryan Allen, even with the established talent. I know a lot of people are saying he might carry two punters. I don't think there's any way Bill Belichick does that. Then again, Belichick has done things that have really raised the eyebrow of everybody around and say, I can't believe he's doing it, and it ends up working. So ultimately the choice is his, but I don't think two punters are going to be in the realm this year. Uh, There's going to be a very hot competition battle, and it would not shock me to see Bailey come out on top here. Yeah, Bailey – Bailey is going to, you know, he's going to get like 2.8, a little little less than $3 million on this contract. And Allen is only signed for the year. So I'm really intrigued to see how that shakes out. You know, if we, if we get another Braxton Berrios situation where, you know, we're going to stash this guy on the freaking injured reserve list for a year and then, you know, turn around and, and see what Allen gets next year in free agency because on a one-year deal, it was it was I, I, honestly I was surprised that he would sign a one-year deal. Uh, Allen's been one of yeah. the best punters in the NFL for a very long time. I was I was shocked that he couldn't go out there and get more. Were you? Oh, without question. Yeah, I was, especially after the job that he did in the Super Bowl. I was really surprised. It goes to show you the premium that are placed on. Yeah, exactly. You you definitely can. I mean, that's when you take a look at, you know, the lack of scoring in that Super Bowl and the positions that he consistently put that Rams offense in by having solid punts and solid work in special teams. It really did surprise me. But again, I think it's a, you know, I I, I think it's a – trying to find the word that I want, but I think it's really essentially what it is, is it's it's just a, an example, uh, for lack of a better term. I was trying to find a real more sophisticated word to use with you gentlemen, but I think it's an example uh, of how the premiums are placed on special teamers, especially punters. Now, the problem with being able to, and I know that you said about stashing him on uh, um, on uh, the practice squad. And I think in a perfect world, I think that's exactly what the Patriots would love to do. The problem with using a fifth round pick on a punter is it shows a value that you have in that position and a value that you have in a player. It's going to be very, I think, difficult to stash him on the practice squad, knowing that so many teams are going to be saying, well, Belichick saw something in this kid. We need to get him and keep him away from the Patriots and keep him off that. So, I think it's a possibility. I'm not saying that it's definitely beyond the realm of possibility. I don't know if you know a team would take a flyer and be able to you know sign a guy like like Bailey off of a, a practice squad he's put on waivers. But I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, in, maybe not impossible, but definitely difficult to do that. So it'll be interesting to see what these guys do with that this year. But uh, I, I really right now am leaning toward Bailey possibly challenging Allen and maybe coming out on top in that battle. But it, again, training camp is going to determine a lot. A lot of people thought that Barocquez was going to do what he did last year and be able to unseat Ryan Allen in the punting game, and that didn't happen. So we'll see what happens. Hey, you're listening to One Patriot Place here on WBLZ Radio with Stephen Murphy. We have Mike Diabate on with us from Full Press Coverage. 
we're we're talking about training camp, mini camp battles. We're talking about the fifty-three man roster, and we're going to continue on with that line of discussion because it, it this is a, it's been a lot of fun already, and we're already over our halfway point. So let's flip to the defense now. Another very intriguing pick. Uh, we talked about it last week on last week's show with Evan Lazar from CLNS Radio and uh, Media, I should say, CLNS Media. Um, the Patriots' second-round pick, Joan Williams, again, it's a, it was a position we really didn't see them using a high draft pick on, but they obviously really like this kid. And, again, yeah. you're looking at matchups and the way they can match up because they have so many talented cornerbacks and they can mix and match now. And from while, you know, we, we heard last week, this kid was standing out already. You know, um, we talked with Lazar and he said that it reminds him a little bit of Brandon Bolden. I mean, no, I'm, excuse me, Brandon uh, Browner. Browner, from, yeah. Uh, two, uh, yeah two, we, we have Brandon Bolden. <laughs> Sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> This is this is what I do to people. Okay. <laughs> it's all Mark's fault. It's all yeah, it is. It's, it's all Mark's fault. <laughs> yeah, but no. What's uh, what's your feelings on this guy? Well, I love Williams, and again, seeing him, I remember I was in the uh, the war room when he was drafted, and it was kind of almost like a foregone conclusion that he was somehow going to find his way into into New England. Everybody, all the you know, everybody was kind of you know talking about the fact that they really, really loved Williams as a cornerback and that New England was so high on him. And despite the cornerback position being one of strengths of the Patriots heading into the draft, a lot of people looked at it and said, well, they really don't need to do a whole lot there. They always look to the draft for depth in the secondary. And Juwan Williams was very high on their draft wish list. And it ended up becoming you know, true that everybody had speculated he would be there. And they took him uh, with the availability. Look, they selected him in the second round. It appears they clearly have lofty hopes for him. Uh, I think they envisioned pairing him with Stephon Gilmore at corner. I know uh, I heard Evan last week made that uh, comparison to uh, Brandon Browner. A lot of people are saying him now and we Gilmore found out who listened to us last week. <laughs> Absolutely. I was listening. I, I listen every single week, guys. You know, when, when I'm not on, I'm listening to you guys. Well, well we thank you for doing it 400 times. <laughs> oh, definitely. Absolutely. You know, I get, it, it, it wears you out a little bit, but you know what? It's all worth it for the effort and the end. No, I'm the end run. I'm only kidding. <laughs> I appreciate but, it. We um, do. Oh, anytime. But, you know, I think there's hopes that Gilmore and uh, and Williams could end up being like a Revis-Browner type combination. And I think Williams is ready for that right off the bat. Um, they, he's tough. He's physical. Uh, a lot of people would even consider the possibility that they may use him as a hybrid safety. I think there's a shot for that, but I really think they they, they value him more as a corner. Uh, but given the invested draft capital, I really think it's highly unlikely that Williams is not going to be a prominent player in the past secondary in 2019. What was more interesting to me with the New England Patriots this year is when they again addressed the defensive backfield with their final selection in the draft by drafting Ole Miss cornerback Ken Webster. Guy that might go under the radar on a lot of people's, uh, you know, draft boards. But when you look at Webster, he totaled 33 tackles, two interceptions, six passes batted. He's had some injury, which I think really lessened his draft value. But he ran a yep. 4.43 at the 40 yard in the combine. That was a lot faster than expected. If he could compete for a spot on the depth chart or possibly even on special teams, this guy could make a 
little bit difficult for some of the guys that might be on the roster bubble. Uh, when I did my assessment of the draft uh, back about a, a little more than a month ago, uh, two people that I thought might feel a bit extra heat this summer as a result of Webster's presence are Ovi and Keon Crossan. I think Ovi has, has very impressive athleticism, but he's had health struggles throughout his career it's wise for the Patriots to keep their options open at this point. We saw Obi in a lot of packages last year on special teams. It'll be interesting to see if they run Webster in some of those types of roles that Obi ran a little bit last year. If you do see that on a regular basis, I'm not so much talking about maybe the next three days in mini camp, but even into training camp, that's one to keep your eye on. Um, another guy is Crossan. I think Crossan is an adept tackler. Uh, he really has flashes of impressive speed, but with the increased depth on the secondary, Crossan might be a guy that might fight for the roster bubble a little bit. I think he has the talent to be on this roster, but it's going to take a little bit more effort now considering some of the capital they've invested in the Patriots' defensive backfield. You know, just to stick on the same subject for a second, you know, this kid, he only played 10 games as a senior, and he did post 33 tackles. And, you know, he picked off a couple of passes. And his his I didn't look at him really close leading up to the draft, but I did afterwards. I really like mm-hmm. the way he defends the pass. He broke up, you know, at least half a dozen passes that I saw. And he had a fantastic yeah. game I actually had against him. Texas yeah. A&M. No, it's true. It really is. I had actually had him uh, projected as a late-round pick for the Patriots in my uh, final mock draft before the draft. I actually had him going uh, at the second-to-last pick, and then they ended up using him with their final pick in the draft. So I was happy to see that anyway. It made me at least know that some of the, the research that I did paid off a little. <laughs> I wasn't really right on a lot of other <laughs> That was one that I selected. I know. He did look like a potential Patriots guy. And, uh, you know, by doing so, uh, I think he'll make things interesting but look back to Juwan Williams uh what he's been able to do so far has raised a lot of eyebrows uh he could really give them some pop in that secondary and uh it really it makes it makes Belichick and the defensive mindset of how they drafted this year uh look all the much better and and people were wondering why they would invest so much in a corner when they needed when they had more pressing needs maybe offensive line or maybe tight end or you know people that could have been had for that price um i think investing a second round pick shows that they really really love this kid and i'd look for big things out of him this year in the patriots secondary me too. I, I can't wait to see how the secondary is used. And um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because it, it's, we said this a couple of weeks ago, it's almost like positionless football back there. These guys can slot in just about anywhere and um, and do a job for you. And, and that's fantastic. That's that's the way the league seems to be going. And um, and I can't wait to see what these guys do with that. One of the, one of the more crowded rooms, that uh, is that are is up there at one Patriot place is is the linebacker room right now. How do you see things shaking out? I want your take on Jamie Collins. We're asking everybody who comes in <laughs> how they feel about Jamie coming back. How is this thing all going to shake out? You know, we we've, we've got Hightower, Roberts, and Van Oy. Um, personally, I think Collins was used terribly when he was in um, when he was in Cleveland. The way you know Cleveland does with everything, you know. It's, Cleveland it's what you do you use people the wrong way they used him too much on the outside when he's an inside guy what what do you think of of Jamie coming back how are things going to happen with the linebacking core 
Well, I, look, you know, bottom line with Jamie Collins, there are really two question marks surrounding him. The talent's undeniable, and it's still there. He's still young enough to be able to be a formidable, formidable guy in the middle part of that defense, in the linebacking uh, core, pairing with Dante Hightower, and, uh, of course, with Kyle Van Noy, and some of the, uh, you know, don't forget Juwan Bentley as well. I mean, there's a huge, right. huge uh, addition to that core this year that they did not have last year. I know uh, Steve and I were really, really high on Bentley uh, last year in training camp and seeing what he was able to do. It was sad that he wasn't able to put it all together on the field and finish the season uh, the way we, we had all hoped. But look, you know, Collins' question marks are durability and consistency. You know, I think that he, uh, you know, 2018 season marked the, time, the only time he had played all 16 regular season games for Cleveland, um, suffered the MCL injury in, in November 2017. So I think he was still working his way back from that a little bit. Um, you know, there were inconsistent effort rumblings. I think you heard them, definitely heard them coming out of New England when he was traded. You heard them a little bit in Cleveland, uh, you know, when, uh, uh, you know, on his way out the door. So I think that's one of the reasons why he found himself still unsigned heading into May. But I think he's still one of the more dynamic talents in the league when he's healthy and he's focused. He can provide capable contributions as an off-ball starter. I think he still has some explosiveness at the linebacker position, especially on third down. I think that the Patriots are hoping that Collins' familiarity with their system is going to prove to be a better transition and a better fit for them than what they had in Cleveland. So at this point, I really like uh, the, uh, the, the addition bringing him back in. You can't expect him to be the Jamie Collins of old. You can't expect him to come in and automatically be the savior of the defense, which I've heard that term thrown around the last couple of weeks, and that really questions me that you know wow. he would be considered the savior of a defense. I think the defense was very formidable Un- last year those and would have been. Yeah, yeah, and would have been with regard to whether Collins came back Hard to be, hard to be a savior for the defense that gave up three points in the Super Bowl. Completely, completely agreed. I, yeah, I, I think it's really, you know, and, and for for all intents and purposes, these are pseudo fans that we're talking about here. I'm not talking about any type of reputable media sources or anything like that that have referred to him as such. But it, the, the narrative is out there, and when you start to being it a so, little bit, you start, you know, questioning where is this coming from. But um, I, I do to answer your question directly i like the signing i didn't fall in love with the signing when it happened but i do like it i think it makes sense and i think you can make some contributions like i said it's going to be based on his durability and its consistency if he has those two things in tow could be a good addition for the patriots well steve what do you think of that opinion <laughs> well i mean uh, i i respect mike's take on that i just don't happen to like the, the signing <laughs> As you well know, I didn't. I didn't like the signing, but I mean, I have, I respect oh, you know that, Mike. I, I respect I'm your opinion. Prick. <laughs> and you are you are a you're silent P, Rick. <laughs> Mur- <laughs> I'm just going to call you silent P from now on. You know. Oh man, well, I couldn't keep silent on that one, and it just you know I got to stir the pot a little bit. You know, it's sitting here on a Monday morning. You know, I've already got I've already got Irish coffee going. That's how good my day is. But anyway, oh, everyone and thought I've got, we and were I've got two practices going on. Yeah, we, everyone thought we were going to ask you next about the tight end, but I'm going to skip over that one. I'm going to go to the defensive line. They've had they had a lot of changes on the defensive line. Obviously, Trey Flowers was their you know biggest impact player on defense uh, on the front seven last year, and he's gone. Malcolm Brown is gone. Danny Shelton is back. Uh, although, 
uh, it'll be interesting to see if if he actually even makes the roster here. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, additions that I think were really good ones. Um, obviously, they picked up uh, Martellus Bennett's brother, Michael, oh, who's uh, yep. always mm-hmm. outspoken but can still play. There's no doubt Michael can still play the game. Um, I thought the under-the-radar one was Mike Pinnell from the Jets, and we talked about him on this show right. a couple of months ago. We we really liked that pickup. And um, and now, of course, Chase Winovich, the, you know, with the blonde locks. And, uh, you know, how do we see this defensive line rounding into shape this summer? It's funny that you mentioned Pinnell, uh, and I think he may be one of the more unsung acquisitions that the Patriots have had this season. I really liked it when they brought him in. Had 16 tackles last year in the in the, uh, in the 2018 season and really proves himself to be a very adept person in that uh, defensive line, and I think that he could end up being a guy that they could rely on heavily. Right now, they have him penciled in as uh, one of the, uh, the number one defensive tackles alongside Lawrence Guy, so I think uh, his acquisition was a very, very big one for the Patriots, and I absolutely uh, love that pickup. Michael Bennett coming in, offsetting the loss of Trey Flowers, probably, you know, I wouldn't say it's a wash, but I would say it's definitely close enough uh, where Bennett is going to be able to uh, to keep that pass rush in place. He still has a it's lot of pre-soak in tank in terms of being able to play. I'm sorry? It's a pre-soak. It's not a, it's, it's not a full wash, but it, yeah. it's, it's pre-soaking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very good. I like that. That was good. <laughs> pretty pretty good gentlemen i i, I love the dynamite <laughs> drop in money um but um <laughs> when it comes to the defensive line especially the ends positions um you know Dietrich Wise Jr. has been a guy that I've been very, very high on since he was drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh Dietrich was actually the first profile I ever wrote uh working for Ian London at our former company back in what we call the cover days, but uh which it's essentially has morphed now into uh full press coverage. But uh Dietrich was the first profile that I ever wrote. Uh and I really for that reason I've always wanted him to succeed. But Independent of that, I've always loved his game. I've always loved what he's been able to bring to the table. I do think he needs to step up a bit this year. There's no question about it. Um, I think that there has been some, uh, you know, maybe I don't want to say, I don't want to say lack of effort because I think the effort with, uh, uh, with Dietrich Wise is always there. I don't think there's ever a question of his heart, but it's just right. a matter of getting in the right position and being able to make the plays when he needs to look for a big year out of him. I think he's really been putting in some time in the off season and he looks like he's ready to come in and make an impact on this team. You mentioned Winovich earlier. According to Field Yates, the Patriots have officially brought him into the fold, so he is signed coming into minicamp, and uh, I would look for big things out of Winovich right away. I think he immediately fortifies that pass rush uh, and allows uh, you know some of the guys to be able to drop back into coverage. I really like Chase Winovich, and I think you know naturally he's going to be a, a very uh, – you know. Um, interesting character in uh in patriots war he may end up taking the mantle from uh from gronkowski being the party <laughs> yeah. animal on the roster uh but uh, i think he has the potential to really be a steal in the third round he's an innovative pass rusher he's an active run defender uh, i think he has elite speed uh and really i think just like engine like reliability is what i wrote about him when the patriots drafted him on uh, day two of the nfl draft i think it's going to allow him to really play in pursuit of the edge of the field um, I, I do like what he brings to the table, uh, and I, I really like the uh, the acquisition of Winovich. So, you know, there are some you know 
questions, I think, on the line as well. I think a lot of you mentioned Danny Shelton being able to maybe crack the up the the, uh, uh, the roster this year. Adam Butler is a guy they're always, always high on. They made the investment to bring back uh, John Simon. So there's guys that uh, are in, you know, the, the mix here. Uh, Byron Collard uh, coming in, uh, you know, as a, uh, as a draft pick in terms of what he might be able to bring to the table. Could he find himself on the roster as opposed to being a, a practice squad casualty? And then there's also Derek Rivers, who I don't think has ever really lived up to expectations. Yeah. Is this finally the year where they look at him and say, you know what, we're tired of making him a healthy scratch all the time. We're going to have to move on. Or does Rivers come in and show them something that made them invest the draft capital that they made in him when they drafted him? So, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting moving parts on uh, the defensive line. But uh, I think the biggest position, independent of Michael Bennett, even more so, I think, is Winovich. I think he really comes in and provides that help on the pass rush that they need, especially after the loss of a guy like Trey Flowers. Now, all of a sudden, you look at pass rushers like Michael Bennett, Chase Winovich, and Dietrich Wise Jr. getting after the quarterback. Uh, I, I really like some of these moves. Yeah, me too. Um, Rivers, Rivers scares the hell out of me. He's the, he's the guy that comes in and into camp and in practice, and he, he just shows it all. He just balls out, and then yeah. you see him as a as a um, as a healthy scratch again week after week, and you, you keep wondering when when a third round pick is going to pan out, or whether or not right. you know Bill is going to you know chalk this up to to a mistake that it, it's just not going to happen for him here. Um, and if it can't happen for you here, where, where is it going to happen for you? Because Bill does such a fantastic job in putting you in a, in a position to succeed. And I, I just, I'd, I'd hate to see him get cut because I really don't feel like the, listening to the talking heads just add another third round pick that didn't pan out here for Christ's sakes. It just, it, it drives me nuts on, on all, all, um, all levels. But when we we're talking about Winovich and God, I think Winovich is already living in, in Brady's basement. You know, he just brought all his, all his, <laughs> um, Michigan stuff with him. He moved into the basement and things are going to, you know, wow. Wow. I can't wait to see this yeah, show up on the field. <laughs> you know, I just, I really can't, you just know, he's, he's the kind of kid that is, is really rah, rah and really into it. And you know, he's going to be wearing his freaking Michigan stuff underneath his Patriots gear. <laughs> <laughs> oh Yeah. Like Michael Jordan uh, that, used to do back in the day. Though, I mean, Tom Brady's basement isn't very small. I wouldn't mind living in his no. basement either. No, no. I, I put <laughs> yeah, me right. that's, a pretty, that's yeah. a pretty comfortable landing Yeah, spot. it's pretty nice, yeah. man. Uh, you put, put me right next to the water heater. I don't give a shit, man. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, I'll Uber the kids to, to their practices, you know, pick them up at school. That's okay with me. Yep. Waitress, I'll have whatever Murph's having this morning for breakfast because it's got to be good stuff. Really is, really is fantastic. Don't tell, don't tell the wife because I I I keep the good breakfast somewhere else. Hey, but there's there's one more. I got to bring it up. I I really do. Um, Is is there a a battle at all for the second spot um, at quarterback? Well, <laughs> you know, I knew I knew we were going to go here, and uh, you know, I think I hate to say it, guys. I think there might be, and the reason why I say I think there might be is because look, Hoyer brings so much 
to the table in terms of being able to, in terms of scout analysis and in terms of knowledge of the system, then it really, really mm-hmm. makes it difficult for him to be, uh, for him to be on the, uh, the roster bubble here. Um, I think there's definitely a case where Danny Etling is going to feel a lot of the crunch here. And I really would surprise me, um, you know, if, uh, if he ended up uh, beating out Stidham, uh, you know, for a, uh, for a roster spot here, I really, I think they're pretty high on, uh, on Jarrett Stidham in terms of what he's able to, uh, to bring and possibly, you know, add him to, uh, to the, the main roster. But Stidham coming in with Brian Hoyer now, it does provide, I think, at least something to keep an eye on during, uh, during training camp. I would say that he's more likely to, uh, I think it's, it's Etling really that's more than likely to, uh, to feel the, uh, the crunch here uh, when it comes to, uh, to these two guys and it comes to the, the quarterback position. Look, Tom Brady's a lot to be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots in 2019. I don't think yeah. there's any more certain thing than, yeah, than, than anything yep. else. And he's going to con- he's going to continue to uh, to uh, to do that. But look, Stidham has adequate size. He's got very good arm strength. I think he's got above average mobility as well. He can fit the ball in the tight spots. He's shown the ability to drive the ball vertically when he has the space to step into his throws. I would say he's got very a- average, if not above average, accuracy. And I think he does a really good job of leading his receivers to the yards after the catch. So I think he's definitely in the mix to uh, uh, to make the roster here. Um, I-, I don't necessarily you know, think that it's a situation where he's worried about competing with Etling. I think that's a foregone conclusion at this point. The Pats have been high on Etling's toughness, his leadership, his work ethic, but I think Stidham has superior ability and superior skill, and I think that'll push him out. With Hoyer, it's going to be interesting to see how he looks in training camp. He is getting older, and he is, you know, moving on to the twilight of his career. I hate using that term, but I couldn't think of a better way to put it. And if Stidham can show that he's capable of leading this team, should something happen to the Patriots 42 year old quarterback, which is blasphemous to even say, and I hate to even think of the thought, but if, you know, the Patriots are who they are, they have to consider that possibility. And if that's the case, then I think they are going to be looking very closely at Etling, very closely at, uh, um, excuse me, very closely at Stidham and very closely at Hoyer and how they're able to run the offense. If Stidham shows Mm -hmm. the capability of being able to do so, Hoyer might end up finding himself on the outside looking in. The Patriots may choose to use that roster spot a little more wisely and knowing that they have two guys that are capable of doing what they need to do. If Stidham shows that rookie rust, then I think what you may see is them carry three quarterbacks and carry Hoyer along with Stidham. Uh, but there might be a controversy behind uh, that number two. going to be interesting to see what the, the, uh, the quarterback snaps look like tomorrow, Wednesday, yep. and Thursday in minicamp. And then, of course, all through training camp, you're going to see that battle emerge. But I think you might see some seedlings in it start tomorrow. Fantastic stuff, man. Fantastic stuff. Um, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Hoyer is getting up there. He, I, it, I'm finding it hard to um, to distinguish him from Nick Casario when, when he's under center because <laughs> everybody knows Nick <laughs> likes to jump under center once in a while. And uh, they're they're just about the same age. Maybe maybe it's time for a change back there. But but we'll see. I, Nick I, Nick might have a stronger arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've seen him throw a couple of bullets to uh, a few a few wide receivers that that weren't expecting that much mustard on a ball. <laughs> yeah, it'll it's going to be interesting to see though. It really is. I mean, uh I know like I said, uh, you know, 
uh, as we were talking off here, I can't wait uh, for this tomorrow because, you know, it's first football fix of the season. So I'm anxious to go down there and actually see these guys in person, especially the new guys. But Mike, we want to thank you because once again, you know, uh, our hours zip by and uh, we're now, we're now <laughs> starting overtime. So <laughs> we want to thank you for joining us as always. We could sit here and talk another three hours once we stop the recording. Well, if we're in overtime, guys, does, yeah. <laughs> if we're in overtime, does that mean that each one of us should get a chance to make a point before we go into sudden That's death right. and close the show? Right. I think Andy yeah. Reid would support that, I think. God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank yeah, you. it was funny. Thank you, and, uh, NFL. With, with the Patriots, uh, you know, they want to change the rules every time. And then I couldn't help but think of that after the St. Louis Blues won in overtime in Boston. It was like, shouldn't the Bruins yeah. get a chance to tie the score? You know, they should. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you go across that, uh, that. Yeah. Things you'll never hear on Sports Talk Radio. Nope. <laughs> nope. Sorry, Felger. Freaking moron. Yeah. All right. But before you go, bud, tell everybody where they can listen to you. That that you, you're just like podcasting everywhere these days. Where they can uh, they can find your uh, fantastic writing, and of course, where they can follow you on social media. Well, thank you, Murph. I appreciate that. That's extremely, extremely kind. And I really, all kidding aside, I really is appreciative. I'm always, always honored to come on and spend time with you guys and be able to uh, to talk Patriots. Really, it's nothing better uh, to me. So it's always like coming home here. Um, you can find my work on fullpresscoverage.com. Uh, definitely check out some of the great work of all of our great writers there. Uh, we cover all 32 NFL teams as well as the four major sports, even MMA, pro wrestling, a lot mixed in uh, to the uh, uh, full press coverage lineup now just signed a deal full press coverage did with sportscaster.com as well uh so there'll be a lot of uh you know videos coming uh your way from a lot of our writers nice. and our on-air talent uh my good friend and cohort in crime ian blendon is going to be hosting a uh pre-game tonight for the uh for the uh, st louis blues and the uh, boston bruins fbc nhl uh coming big so definitely be sure to check that out uh, you can follow me on Twitter at N-D-A-C-A-T-E-F-P-C. Um, and uh, also you can hear me on the Commonwealth of Champions podcast, which will be relaunching on the on the Full Press Radio Network uh, probably sometime this week. We'll have more information on Twitter about that shortly. And every Monday you can listen to me live on Full Press Radio with Snowman in the Morning. My good friend Brian Snow and I break down all things NFL across all three, 32 NFL teams on a national basis. Fantastic. Joined in this morning to break down the NFC South. Uh, we broke down the AFC teams last week. Everything's all archived on Pro, uh, on uh, Full Press Radio, so be sure to check that out. Yeah, check out that snow show. It, it, it's really fantastic. I've really enjoyed catching up on it, and, and you don't have to catch it live, folks. You can catch it over at the website and, um, and along with all the great shows that they do over there. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us, bud. And, of course, you can catch Mike and I tomorrow on the Shays Bippy Pod, my podcast. <laughs> I got to throw, I gotta throw that one in. That's it, man. And tomorrow we're going to get into um, – into the untouchables and and that that's that's a great movie that we both love mike thanks for being here well, with we us. always need to and, uh, oh no i was just gonna say a man who doesn't spend time with this podcast can never be a real man so you know we always we have to get that in there. <laughs> oh that's that's podcast can never be a real man <laughs> yeah that's, that's right it. see the untouchables now folks. that's 
you know, The Untouchables is a great film. It's historically yeah. very inaccurate, but it's a great film. Yeah. And it had some great lines. And don't care. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah. I got the I got the inaccuracy. Do not give give zero zero fucks about the inaccuracies of films <laughs> like this. They're not some of the. This is not a a, a classroom. And I, I go to films to be entertained. I don't care if you know. No, just just don't care. Just want to sit back, make some popcorn, and enjoy it. And that movie is you know outside of Bond is is probably Connery's best freaking film ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you can't. it's that. one of those movies where if you see it on, you probably don't own it, but if you see it on TV, you're watching it. And, uh, and you know, there are certain films that are just like that. And that's one of them for me. And it drives my wife out of, uh, you know, into the bedroom. <laughs> I take my little screen here and go into the bedroom. Just oh, like the she scene, does the every scene with Connery that... and Andy Garcia is my favorite. So, Oh, the, the, the one at the, um, at when the, they're recruiting the, Andy Garcia yeah, and, they, at, yep. and Connery's trying to get under his skin and then Andy Garcia pulls a knife on and puts it to his throat and Sean Connery looks at uh, Kevin Costner starts smiling. I like him. <laughs> yep. And and we'll we'll let we'll let Mike Mike throw out that derogatory um quote tomorrow on the show. You're gonna have to tune in to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike being, being the it. Italian is, of the two of us, he gets to throw out all the derogatory comments about the Italians, <laughs> and I get you know, and the Irish. We're going to get the Irish mafia in a little while, man. You guys are really going to love that little a little Irish oh, yeah. action. But um, that's great, Mike. I, again, I want to thank you. We're running into overtime, and Ian always gets pissed off because he's got to pay us more whenever we're doing that. So we will talk to you soon, bud. Steve, why don't you take us out? All right. We want to thank everyone for listening and uh, be sure to join us next week for another great podcast here on One Patriot Place. Thanks again to Mike Diabate and all of our friends over full press coverage. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking about what we saw down at minicamp. So for Steve Balistrieri, Thomas Murphy, Mike Diabate, thanks for listening. We're out. <laughs>